0: What's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, today's episode, we have a real treat for you. This is Brad and Lisa Valencia. They are from the Unrelenting Pursuit, and they are talking about a fair recovery. So, you know, we've interviewed people who have gone through like porn addictions in a marriage and what that's looked like. We've had some people who have just talked about healthy relationships and healthy marriages and all that kind of thing. But uh, today we talk specifically about an affair and uh, these guys obviously went through it. I'm sure you can imagine nobody gets into that kind of space unless they have their own experience. And so we detail like what went down and it's pretty interesting hearing some of the finer details of the affair, just how it kind of rose to the surface, what they did in response to it. And where they are now, it's been about ten years, and it's taken them many years just to kind of even reconcile and start getting on the same page again, and um, and where they are today now, and some of the things they've learned along the way, how they help other couples, you know, walk through their own kind of affairs and their own issues, and I I think you know if you if you've been watching porn and you're in a committed relationship. I think this episode is applicable for you. If you've actually had an affair, you know, you've bought sex or you've cheated on your wife with somebody or your significant other with somebody, this episode, of course, is for you. And if maybe you are married or want to get married one day and you just want to find out ways to improve, things to learn from, this is worth a listen as well. I remember one of the best ways I learned about, you know, getting free of porn, having a healthy marriage. Building a business, uh, one of the best ways I've learned is just hearing about failure stories for other people because I don't think I'm special. I don't think I'm infallible, and I know that if I can learn from other people's mistakes, I can obviously avoid them and you know go further, faster in uh, my own areas of life. So I think you're going to be really blessed by this. These guys are wide open. Um, they they talk in a lot of detail, in depth, a lot of vulnerability there. And, um, and I think your relationships are going to get better if you pay attention to some of the things that they're really trying to drive home about how to get over an affair, how to really have a healthy long-term marriage, and how to raise kids as well. And um, yeah, this was a very robust, well-rounded interview. I'm not going to spend another minute here talking about it. Let's jump in to my interview with Brad and Lisa Valencia. So here's the million-dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose, supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam, welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Okay, well, I'm here with Brad and Lisa of Unrelenting Pursuit. And I've been following these guys for a little bit. You guys have some incredible content and a really, really important message. So I'm really excited to have you guys here. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having for, us,
1: thank us, man. so much for having us.
0: Yeah, you know, I I was talking about this before we hit record, but I think um, a lot of the guys who are listening are, you know, struggling usually with some sort of sexual misbehavior. It's been lingering a little bit, and there's this whole, like, branch called betrayal trauma just for, you know, for wives in particular who find out that their husband has been watching porn, and, and that that in of itself can cause a, a severe degree of betrayal. Um, but your guys area of focus is actually even beyond that we're talking about actual affairs. And you guys kind of focus on a fair recovery. I'm going to guess that that could be from a personal experience, possibly. Um, <laughs> yes, and absolutely. and I, I wonder if maybe we could start there a little bit. How did you guys uh, find yourself in this kind of area?
1: Okay. Yeah. I, I always start <clears> off our, like when we share this story and I talk for the first couple minutes and then I just throw it over to Brad and make him tell everything else. So okay. <laughs> <just bear laughs> Perfect. Couple minutes. yeah. because we always want to emphasize, so we've been married for 20 years. We have three kids. Um, so 10 years into our marriage is kind of when everything imploded for us. Um, okay. At the time we had three little kids and we always want to emphasize that we did not have a bad marriage because I think that there is this overall myth that if something like this happens in a marriage, that it clearly Mm. had to have been bad. And we did not have a bad marriage. We had what most would consider, you know, a a good ordinary marriage. That's what we kind of want to call it because we never want people to settle for ordinary, but that is kind of the place that we were at. We had what we felt like we were doing is kind of checking all of the boxes that would equate to being a a good family and a good marriage. And we had grown up in the church and, you know, there was just a lot of things that we had felt like, you know, things are just going along and we were just kind of, I I don't know what the exact right word that I'm looking for is Mm. with this, but it's just like, you know, we, we all get comfortable Mm. and comfortable in and of itself. Isn't You know, always a bad thing. But and at that stage in our life, I think that's kind of where we were at. We were, you know, navigating parenting, navigating just, you know, the the stresses of life. And you know, but we never thought that this was gonna be something we would face in our marriage. And I always like to say, too, that before we faced this in our marriage, I definitely had the the misconception that once a cheater, always a cheater. I definitely had the misconception of, you know, I would never stay in that place. So there were a lot of things God had to work out in us and, and he definitely showed up for us in the middle of our story. So now is when I hand it over to Brad <laughs> 10 years in, you know, we yeah. have three young kids and now I hand it over to Brad to share the rest of it.
2: Whew. Yeah. this. Is <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, just like Lisa said, um, this is where it gets into all the like nitty gritty bad stuff. Right, so yeah, we had a normal—I would say normal, average marriage. Nothing uh, bad, but I also don't think we were like, you know, I I think it was just average. It wasn't anything to like, intentional, yeah, intentional about it, or or you know, extraordinary about it. It was just like going through life, right? Hmm. Um, But that's not what drove me to cheat. Ultimately, cheat on Lisa or walk out of my family. That's not at all what it was, but we just wanna, we always highlight that because so many people are already in a marriage and it, it's it's just a marriage. It's just, it's going good. Yeah. Um, and they're not exempt from something like this happening just cause their marriage is good. Uh, so anyway, um, I travel a lot for work, not so much anymore, but I did a lot at that point. And um, I was gone for a while and I started making these small little compromises. Um, you know, I would say, I mean, I I was a self-proclaimed Christian, went to church, like, but I don't think I was truly rooted into like my relationship with Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really had that. I had like maybe somewhat, but not a hundred percent, I would say. Okay. Um, so as I kept making these compromises. Like I would, we'd be done with work. I'd go out to eat with everyone and then maybe have a couple beers and then just go back to the hotel room, that was it. And then as that progressed, then I'd hang out a little more, um, have a few more beers. Then I go back to the hotel room. Now I started diving into the pornography realm, right? Like started looking at stuff I shouldn't be looking at and started like, but still I was like, it's okay. It's not a big deal, right? But you know. Well, obviously not right, but that was what I was telling myself. Like, it's all right. It's not a big deal. I'm not really cheating on my wife. You know, it's just like, okay, while I'm on this trip, this is what I'm doing. Um, And so that slowly progressed. And then, you know, Satan knows how to attack us hundred percent. Like he's the most Mm -hmm. strategic enemy we'll ever face and he plays on everything that we don't even know we might have. And he just plays on it. So for me, I have insecurities. Um, and I, I would venture to say, like all the guys listening, every one of you have an insecurity, whether you want to say it or not, you have one. <laughs> yeah. um, so I had an insecurity. So we, I started going out, you know, again, dinner, staying out later. Then I started noticing um, opposite sex, like attraction to me. You know, like okay. people were like looking at me, or, you know, just the attention, right? Yeah, and then that mustache
0: commands attention, man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so just attention and attention and attention. And then slowly that just grew into finally taking that overt step over to, you know, actually physically uh, having an affair. Okay. And um, then that progressed and then just kept going. And at that point, you know, again, like I said, I grew up in church, right? Like, I, I mean, my grandfathers are pastors. Right? Well, my uncles are pastors. Like I grew up in this environment. I knew right and wrong and all these things. And so I knew what I was doing was wrong, but mm-hmm. I started twisting scripture too, um, to kind of fit, not necessarily fit what I was doing, but make what I was doing, like justifiable in the sense of. Um, You know, Jesus is like, if you've already uh, thought about it and committed it in your heart, it's already done. Like you've done it already. Of course, I'm paraphrasing. This isn't, you know, hundred percent, but I looked at that and I was like, well, you know, I've already done this. I might as well just really do it. Um, And so that's how it progressed. And it kept going uh, for several months. And then I didn't, I never confessed. Um, And I think that's a big, a big point to make too. I never, I kept this a secret And then Lisa found out inadvertently and God is the truest God, right? Like he's the only God he's going to pull truth out at some point. You can't hide everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So it came out and then, um, you know, I wasn't living at home anymore. Like I was rightfully so like out of the house, you know, all these things, but it wasn't like that our marriage was over in a sense for me, it was in my head. I was like, this is it.
0: It's done. Um, it's okay. over.
2: Yep, it's done. I did the, the you know, hierarchy of, of sins that you commit. I did like the worst one you could do, right? Yeah. Um, so I broke trust, all that. So it was over. And we went through the divorce process and we were doing all that. I was living with uh, friends and I was living with friends that would support what I was doing and I was pushing away people that would speak life into me. Um, I, I barely spoke to my parents during this time. You know, I, I pushed a lot of other friendships out of the way too, not cutting them off, but just not wanting to be around them because I, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, which is totally weird. Now, when I say, when I talk about this testimony, a lot of times it still shocks me because I'm like, man, that's not the person I am now. Um, yeah. And I didn't feel I was that person then either. But it happens, um, especially when you're not rooted and, sh- and strengthened in Christ. So this went on again for several months, and we were going through the whole divorce process. And um, you want me just to keep going, right? Just no, finish it off? Whichever, okay. however you want I'll just baby. keep going. Yeah, you're doing <laughs> great, man. This is great. All right. So um, I was driving home one weekend after another weekend of just doing whatever I wanted, you know, pretending I didn't have a family. Li- pretending, you know, everything was okay. And I was just living for myself. And, um, I had, you know, it was a couple hours back drive to where I lived and I had this you know, road to Damascus experience, you know, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like the true road to Damascus in the Bible where there's this light blinding light. And, and, you know, I was blinded for three days, nothing like, like that. Talkie. Yeah. Donkey talking. <laughs> no, nothing like that. But this was um, it was loud, but it was inaudible. It was just this urgency, and and God was just talking to me. Hmm. And right then and there, I you know I pull over the side of the road. I'm bawling, and He's just telling me, and I could hear it clear as day. It's hey, here's your choice. Here's your fork in the road right now. Yeah, um, you can keep living for what what you're doing. You can keep going, but it does lead to death. And and that that urgency i felt was like that lost and death was was right there it was right around the corner and it was like yeah. but here's your choice like you can do this or it wasn't it was or you can turn back to me and it wasn't or you can turn back to me and everything's going to be fine or you can turn <laughs> back to me and your marriage is going to be perfect it was nothing like that right. it was literally just here's your crossroads you have the choice and god and i'll preach this all the time God's a God of second chances, whether it's your hundredth second chance or your first second chance, he is, but this was so real. And it was just this finality in it. Um, so I did, I broke down the side of the road, you know, I'm asking God for forgiveness and I'm trying to figure out what to do next. And the only thing I knew what to do was just to call Lisa and, and I just called her and I was like, is there any way that we can work this out? Um, you know, despite everything I had done, um, all the stuff I've been living, I was like, right then and there, is there any way we can work this out? And
1: And I would say, so, you know, uh, it's very funny. Our our story during this period of time is very separate because we were apart really for that year. We were apart from like a February to November between Mm -hmm. work and everything that was going on. So this is a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And um, so when he called me, I had always wanted reconciliation. That was always within, within somehow God had just given me this small glimpse of this immense love that he had for this broken man. And it was really a powerful moment that God gave me. And so even in the, you know, my my fleshly response of just really wanting to kick him where it counts <laughs> numerous times, I felt this overwhelming love that God had for Brad in the middle of that. So I had always wanted reconciliation, but as Brad stated earlier, that was in his mind, like you, you don't come back from this. That was really like, he had this... In his mind, it, it was like talking to a stranger during this time. You couldn't rationalize. We we laugh when we share our story or we talk about it because there was these huge moments and, and distinct things no. that happened, and he has no memory of it no. at all. So <laughs> wow. it's it it just yeah. like, you know, recognizing that God was doing so much and teaching me so much about what it meant to surrender my marriage, what it meant to forgive, what it meant to heal even though Brad really was not walking alongside me during that point. And, you know, for any, anyone listening, he might be in the middle of that just like painful place of wanting to heal, wanting to reconcile. And we, we talk all the time, go to Jesus, go to Jesus, go to Jesus. He yeah. is a healer of broken places. And I had to wrestle through what forgiveness looked like long before Brad ever sought forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And really during that time, it, I read a book um, that was, by John Bevere, it's called "The Bait of Satan," and I read this during the middle of this, and and it talked about in the in the being at your own crossroads, really, and it was how the enemy uses dis- discouragement and bitterness as tools, and I recognize that in that moment in my life, I also was at a crossroads and I could decide whether I was going to be bitter and discouraged or whether I was going to overcome and forgive. And that really was regardless of what Brad was going to do. It was, it was who I was going to be in the future. And I could see myself leaning towards being discouraged and bitter. And that felt very fair. It felt very fair. You know, that, that was, (laughs) it's like, yeah, because it is discouraging and you know what, it is unfair and I shouldn't have to be dealing with this. And so kind of everything in my flesh wanted to lean that direction, but it was so obvious to me. And, and when I just was sitting in that moment, like, this is not who I want to be regardless of what happens in my marriage. This as, as a person is not who I'm going to be. I'm not going to be that for my children. I'm not going to do that for myself. Like I'm going to walk forward. And so Forgiveness is a process for anyone listening, right? That that initial forgiveness was, uh, it was really like just God saying, like, can you hand this over to me? And it was for me. It was not for Brad. It was God walking me through that process. But I had to choose forgiveness many, many, many times after that. <laughs> so yeah. <the> forgiveness is <laughs> such a process and surrendering your marriage is such a process. And I always felt like God had to peel my fingers off, like, one at a time, you know, where it was like, no, but I can still try this and I can still do this and I can still say this. And, you know, it was like, God just like, okay, well, when are you going to, when are you gonna take your hands off? When are you gonna yeah. take your hands off? You know, because really, truly we, we laugh it. our marriage was hopeless. If you looked yeah. from the outside perspective, there was no hope for our marriage. I hmm. wanted nothing to do with reconciliation. Um, I actually was the one who initiated the divorce process in, in the hopes and desire that he would wake up and come to, the, <laughs> come to the end of himself and ultimately began to pray that it was his very salvation, his very soul. I began to pray for even before, you know, just praying over our marriage. It was him as an individual that I just began to pray for. This was still going to be a man that was the father of my children for the rest of their lives. Yeah, and so I, I, I needed him to be the man that God wanted him to be. So, uh, we walked through that whole divorce process and it was hopeless. Like Mm -hmm. it was hopeless. There was no hope for reconciliation. We weren't coming back from this. And, you know, it's, we laugh because I do feel like God with me was just like, I'm going to let it get as bad as it can (gasps) get. So you can take no credit for it. (laughs) Exactly. I didn't realize I was a controlling person until I had no control. You know, and then I wanted to try to control certain things in, in my life and recognize how much I wanted this assurance of things to be a certain way. So yeah, God had yeah. to work through this whole process in us individually before we got to the to the place of beginning reconciliation, yes. which was really where the hard stuff started.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I, I want to get into all of it, um, but I, I want to circle back mm-hmm. a little bit because one of yep. the points we've been driving home on the podcast lately with our guys is you can confess or you can be caught. Mm. Yes. Like those are really your only two options. Um, you guys said I could ask you whatever I wanted. So um, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to put it to the test. How, right. how did this happen? How did you get caught, Brad? How did it all shake down?
2: <clears throat> so um, it was an inadvertent text that went, that was supposed to go to someone else and it went to Lisa. Okay. And um, I, if I remember right, did you call me? Right after, yeah. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. A call anyway, whatever the communication I think was after that.
1: Because you immediately was, to was like, covered.
2: Yeah, I was trying to deflect okay. it. I was lying about it. I was, you know, whatever it was to try to make everything better. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, it's a hundred percent truth, just like you're saying. Like you either confess or you're gonna get caught. You're gonna get caught eventually. At some the point. double
1: life catches up yeah. with
2: you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It always does. Okay.
0: And um, Lisa, I know, I know. Women just have this kind of sixth sense. Sometimes they can tell something's up. Something's mm-hmm. going on. When you got the text, did it confirm things like your your greatest fear? Did you have any kind of inkling or were you completely blindsided by this?
1: So I... Uh you know, I, I spent a lot of time kind of looking back over that time in our life and just, you know, wondering if there was things that I had missed or, you know, what I needed to be looking for. And I would say that I was making kind of a lot of excuses for some things that I, I knew were taking place. Cause I knew that we were not as connected as we normally were. Mm. And I justified that in a couple of ways he was gone. And so we weren't physically with one another very much during that time. Right, And we also had a, a young baby, still nine months old. And if any of you guys are listening and you've navigated through what that looks like, it is a very different stage of marriage because, uh, we'll always talk about putting your marriage, you know, before your kids, but at when, when they're little, like that, it is very difficult when they want, when they want to eat, <laughs> when they want to sleep <laughs> that they're in control at that point. So yeah. I kind of knew that that was a stage where we you're in. So I kind of justified a little bit of the things that I saw due to other factors, but yeah. when he did send that text message. Like you said, I knew with everything in me, something was not right. I yeah. knew it. It was just like, it was so much that I knew it, that it was like, I was, I was actually with my parents at the time visiting and I was making chili on the stove. And I remember my mom kind of being behind me and I like hid the phone. It was like, I don't want her to see this. Mm-hmm. Um, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it just flooded over me in that moment.
0: Wow. 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 So you guys were saying that from the outside your marriage looked pretty normal. Like you're building your careers, you're raising mm-hmm. a family. Yeah. Um what do you guys attribute when you look back, like what what were the things where you're like, oh, we had no idea this was necessary for a healthy marriage, or we didn't know this mm-hmm. was dysfunctional, we just thought it was normal. I mean, are there any is there anything glaring like that, or was it really just small things that were kind of underneath the surface?
2: Man. Maybe a little bit was of it- both. Probably, I mean, one big thing we tell people when we coach them or when we're talking to them about all this is um, now, you know, now or like our marriage forward, we're very, very intentional um, about our marriage. You know, like I'm very intentional about Lisa, mm-hmm. and you know, we go on dates, like we make time to do things like that. Um, I'm I'm constantly pursuing her still. You know, it's not like oh, we're married, everything's cool like no i still flirt with her i still want to go on dates with her i still want to do all these things and it's not saying that you know it's bad that you don't do those cuz it's easy to get into that comfortable realm but i do think that if you don't have that mentality of the intentionality behind your marriage that it is going to start to fall off and and it's not necess- it's almost like um you know, like if you ever been on a boat and, and you're navigating, if you're just a little bit off, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal at the time, but as it right. keeps going, you keep gradually spreading, you know, that distance apart and apart and apart. And then next thing you know, you're lost
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it's I, hard to
1: come back from that when you're absolutely. Really far apart. And
2: so, I mean, We've looked, we've like, you know, Lisa's probably way better than this, um, than I am. But, you know, looking back on the, on our marriage that we did have, I mean, I don't feel like there was anything like glaring yeah. that I was like, oh, that's it. That's what drove me to do all the things I did. I really don't think that. I think that we could have been more intentional in different things, like even the kids. So, you know, like Lisa was saying, our, our youngest was nine months. Um, at that time, and we we've actually uh, we had one couple that had very young kids, and when we told them about you know our our list and how we uh, view God and our marriage, you know it's God and then our spouse above our kids, and right. it it seems like this super radical uh, way of thinking. But if you don't have a healthy marriage, you're, you're not going to be able to parent your kids in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were like, but our kids take so much time right now. We have two little ones. And I was like, yes, and, and they will. There's nothing you can do about it. But the the intention behind it is still putting your spouse first. Mm-hmm. You know, that mentality of, of yes, my babe, this baby takes so much time, but I still need to to, you know, do things and help my spouse any way I can to show that even though this little baby takes up so much time that you can still put your spouse, you know, ahead. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm not, you know.
0: Makes tons of sense. Yeah. And I think there is this funny thing when you, when you do get married and you kind of enter that stage um, there's something about knowing like that somebody else is committed to you long-term that makes it very easy. Um, I'll just speak for guys, I think it makes it easy for us to take our foot off the gas a bit. Yes. You know, I don't know what it is, but um, but I can totally see how those priorities can get shuffled and marriage can kind of get buried under just the other cares of life that kind of demand your attention in the moment. Yes. So, um, okay, so, so the text surfaces, you guys are kind of like figuring this thing out. Lisa, you file for divorce, you guys are going through the process. Lisa, you're hoping that he will have some sort of awakening, and um, and Brad, you do. I, I imagine, like, it, it sounds, I'm just putting myself in your footsteps a little bit yeah. trying to imagine, it sounds like a roller coaster of emotions is what it sounds like. <laughs> like, it's the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, and the decision to reconcile is probably really exciting at first because of everything that it presents and the possibility of what could be. But I imagine there's some really hard moments along that way, and it's probably mm-hmm. more hard moments initially than it is good moments. Um, can you give us a little snapshot into like what was that <laughs> process like when you've made the decision to reconcile yes. and now you're you're trying to build a marriage all over again?
2: Oh yeah, I mean it, it, that phone call I gave Lisa asking if there was any way we could work this out that began a long road. I mean long road to rebuilding trust and and reconciling our marriage and you know we're i mean before all this we we would have arguments but we were never we never yelled at each other nothing like that no big fights you know there's some hmm. you know marriages that 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 happens we never had that and we don't now but during that time like there was some like fights like we butted heads and really what it comes down to is is trying to rebuild trust. So there's really, there's no trust there, um, at least on her side. Right. And then me detoxing and, and that's what it was like. It was like this deep. I mean, I remember one time I like threw my phone on the ground and smashed my phone because I was, since I was detoxing and what I've learned since then is, you know, the most important thing out of all this was, wasn't, you know, our marriage it was my personal relationship with Christ. And then it was Lisa's personal relationship with Christ. Like then from there, our marriage is going to be stronger. And yes, you had to put in the time to, to rebuild the trust and all that. But um, that wasn't like, that had to be the most important thing. Yeah, now, yeah. what I, that's what I've learned through this because of that, what I should have done is cut everything out of my life that needed to be cut. Instead, I was trying to make people happy. So I was trying to like, not necessarily make them happy, but be nice, you know? And so like, well, you know, instead of cutting out my old life all the way, I would still get a message. I would still try to get Ah, a phone call. And it was like trying to let people down easy because if anyone ever goes through this or has gone through this, there's a whole nother facet that's really not spoke, you know, talked about. And it's the, the cheating spouse and the other side of it, like the, the the, peop, the third parties, if you will, in it, like yeah. you're destroying them too. Um, whether they knew about your marriage or not, doesn't matter. You're destroying those lives as well. Like you're, there's so many emotions in play in this. And so then I was like, Oh, I'm trying to like, I don't want anyone to hate me. Um, now I look back and I'm like, Hey, if it's causing you sin, like chop it off, kind of deal, right? Yeah, like be right, ruthless. Right. And, but it's so hard to do that. It's easy to say, it's just hard to do it. So, one of the biggest hurdles I would say through our rebuilding trust was me detoxing out of yeah. that old life.
1: And, yeah. And, and I was like, so yeah, I guess that phone call, right? And this is something, I mean, yes, that, it sounds so simple. Yeah. You know, we filed for, this is months and months. Like even before I started the divorce process, we're talking months of trying to wrestle this out and figure out whether there was any chance for us. And so I get that phone call and I'm like, our God is so amazing. Like here is the miracle that I have prayed for. (laughs) And because I have prayed so specifically through this period of time, I clearly am expecting Brad to come home and be a completely radically changed man, <laughs> but, yeah. but he is going to be the exact man I prayed for over this past nine months. Like he's not going to walk back in this home with any of these old issues, like, boom, like we can, yeah. we can totally connect on this spiritual level. Like we're going to just be right there. <laughs> and so it was really just awkward and disappointing i mean to be (laughs) honest it was just like you know our uh, we're trying to go out and get to know each other again and it's like you know each other so well and yet you don't know each other at all it's like you know we've experienced these facets of life separately for so long and you're trying to kind of bring those back together in such a broken way i mean Mm. our our trust is completely shattered he is detoxing from these things and quite frankly there were several times where i was just like god Please let me go. Like, I don't want to be in this hurt anymore. Yeah. It's not fair that I have to keep navigating that same hurt. Like, where's the miracle? <laughs> like that, <laughs> That's how I felt like several times because it's just like, you know, him coming home was just the very first step of many steps and yeah. years, years of walking through that. And yeah. I mean, there are so many things that God had to work out in him and in me. And it was just like. When we talk about clinging to Jesus, it's because we you need to do that in those desperate places because so often, well, really all the time, your spouse will fail you. Like yeah. you'll never be enough to fill your spouse and they will never be enough to fill you. And it's like, that may seem, we kind of walk through this life thinking like you're going to find the one and then they're going to just <laughs> like clearly make all of your dreams come true. Yeah. But that is not the case. You know, we are not meant to be enough for our spouse. They are not meant to be enough for us. And so it's wrestling through that. And yeah, so it was awkward at first.
0: I believe it. I believe it. So Lisa, I have to ask because I think, uh, well, we know the divorce rate super high today and infidelity plays into a lot of them. And I think from a Christian perspective, we know like there's, you know, two like overt scriptures in the New Testament that talk about <gasps> divorce and grounds for it, mm-hmm. Um most of which really centers around infidelity. So mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying is from a legal and a <laughs> biblical standpoint, you had every right to cut ties here. Yeah. And I, I'm just imagining like even as you go through the reconciliation process and it's difficult and Brad is not this knight in shining armor who's got his <laughs> to act together, but he's a work in progress here. You still would have every right, I, I think, to rescind. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe yeah. people would disagree, but um, I think there's some credibility there. What What was it that made you say, I'm going to tough it out in those really tough moments. Cause I mean, I think from Brad's perspective, I can kind of understand you're fighting here for your wife, your kids and everything that you have basically thrown away. But I guess for you, what was keeping you in the mix here on those hard days?
1: A lot of Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, because I think, I had walked enough of this other road um, because we had been apart for this chunk of time that I really knew what that led to, this (coughs) life of being a single mom with three kids and having to navigate through all that. And I really had a a trust in that God was going to take (coughs) care of us. Excuse my husband's coughing in the back. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. That's Um, all right but I really had a trust that God was going to take care of me, but I had enough trust in him that I knew he could do something down this other road that I didn't know. Hmm. And I really felt like it was, I had learned enough of Jesus telling me when I could stay and, and when I needed to move. And so even though I asked God to let me go and Hmm. to let me move, I knew that he, he told me to stay. It was just like, No, like you're, you're in this, like, I need you to stay like, just Mm. be patient, like stay firm, you know? And it was like, (laughs) even as I was, cause I, I got real like David honest with God, you know, just like telling him everything that I was feeling and experiencing, but I just, I knew who he was. And so it was this faith that no matter what the end of that looked like, I knew that God was going to have me. I already knew what the other road looked like. So it was it was just grasping hold of his hand because I knew that other road had to be all him. Like <laughs> I couldn't do it right. on my own, so. Wow,
0: yeah, that's that's really powerful. And I think there's a good lesson in there because how often do we say yes to something, whether it's another person or we say yes to something God's calling us to <laughs> no. and thinking it's gonna be just instantaneous or thinking it's gonna be easy, not anticipating just the long journey that we've really signed ourselves up for. Um, at what point in this recovery process did it feel like, okay, we have a marriage again, like maybe it's not perfect, but you know, there's, there's some trust there. And like, I don't know, I, I imagine the back of your head, you're wondering, if, are we going to make this work? Are we going to be miserable the rest of our lives? Yeah. But like, we're together for the kids. At what point was it like, okay, I think, I think we're, we're in the right direction.
1: I do think we get this question a lot because I think people want an exact <clears throat> like a time
2: timeline. Frame, right? You know,
1: they're like, okay, yeah. but how long do I have to do that?
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, it,
1: Really hard. And I hate to say it, but there isn't an exact timeline.
2: No. Like, <laughs> so, I mean, I think for us, so one thing we do say is like, you know, we preach to people, get counseling, and do all these things. We didn't do any of that. We did
1: everything wrong. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> okay, within, fair.
2: yeah, within three weeks of me moving back in, we had the opportunity to move where we are now. And so we took it. And when we did that, wow. we sold. Like, are uh, sold a lot of furniture. We got rid of the car I had. Got a truck. Got rid of her car. Got you know traded her car. Decisions. Like these huge <laughs> three decisions. weeks in. Oh yes. my gosh, you guys are crazy! <laughs> wow. And then we moved down here, and um, we moved down here. We find a church, and after that, and it, that was a hundred percent a God thing because, again, I'd grown up in church. I knew what church was. I walked in this church, and the first time, I was just like, oh my gosh, we're like next this to each is, other crying,
1: yeah. but we're not looking at each other. I will yeah. say like, that was the, we were so broken at this time. I emphasize this because that morning when I, when I just, you know, I'm going to go to church, I literally looked at Brian and was like, we're, you know, we're going to go to church. If you want to come, you can come if you don't want to, you don't have to. Cause yeah, really yeah. at this stage of the game, like, you know, everything was just so fragile. Even me wondering where his faith was or if he had faith. I mean, this is literally where we were at, like that kind of raw place. And wow. so when, when we did walk into that church, yeah. we still looked like the couple who had it all together. Oh, yeah, Three kids, we in everyone, with our three you beautiful know, kids like, yeah. from the outside. We still look like we like, you know, we're just the, the picture perfect family, you know? And I told Brad after that first first service, I was like, we need to go and talk to the pastor because he needs to know, like, we are very broken and I cannot live a lie. Like it, that, yeah. just became so passionate for me. It was just like when you've lived a lie, man. The truth matters so much. You just you grasp for that. You want yeah. truth, even if yeah. it's painful truth. You know, you want to be in truth because at least you can do something with that.
2: Yes. <laughs> so yes.
1: we were very much like yeah. I mean, with him,
2: we met with the pastor. That was the first time I'd really even told the story. Like this is what's <laughs> happened, and it's so fresh. And and we, you know, in my mind, I'm like this marriage is gonna work, but we're still like walking on thin ice, kind of yeah. like you know, just Very you're just kind of, you know, I figured uh, Lisa probably every step is like this thing's gonna fall through. For me, I was walking so carefully because I didn't want to make her mad. You know, yeah. like I, everything I did, I want to make her mad. But we we tell our pastor this, tell him the story, just laid it all out there. And, you know, I'm starting to cry. Lisa's crying, you know, we're just kind of there. And he just, I just still remember the look on his face. Cause it was just a uh, compassion, but it wasn't shock. And it was just like, okay, all right. Like I could, what he saw in me though, was where God was taking me. He didn't yeah, see like, wow. he didn't see me there. He didn't see me like you know, three weeks ago, here's where you were. He's And and I mean, we're still super close friends. He's moved on, but you know, he, that was the moment where I think for me, a lot of it, that was a big healing point for me. Um, I wasn't healed hundred percent, but that yeah. was like the big jump off for me to start like understanding that I could be healed, that I didn't yeah. have to walk in shame, even though like shame was a huge deal for me. And that Years. That lasted years, years, even after our marriage, like started to feel more of like, Hey, we're in it. Like, there's no other option now. Like we're in it. God's, this is the miracle God gave us. Like we're changing, you know, we're changing legacy. We're doing all these things, but it still took years after that. Um, so like an easy answer, there's, there's no time timeframe. Um, and it's so hard because I think it depends on couple to couple, but I'm, I mean, I think it was probably two years ago that, that I finally was able to forgive myself fully. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's, it's I would say hard. that
1: it's, you know, for some encouraging hope for those of you yes. that are trying to add a timeline <laughs> in your head right now. Yeah, going, that are doing the really math for like eight
2: years,
0: what? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had way more good days than bad days. Yes. And so, yes, I would say the first six months, so mm. hard so yeah, hard, even though it wasn't that every day was bad. Cause, yeah. cause we did work intentionally on trying to, you know, move forward. And I did recognize fairly quickly that there was really never a price that Brad could pay to make up for this. And I did try for a period of time. You know, I, I did, I was like, I really wanted him to feel some pain. <laughs> I really <laughs> wanted him to experience some of those things. And then it was like, wait a minute, there's There is no price that can be paid for this, really. So I had to make a decision to lay that down. Like we had to have this restart process and I had to be okay with that the price would never be paid. Jesus had paid the price, right? (laughs) And we were moving forward. And I also had to learn to stop digging, stop asking all the questions because everything I learned I had to heal from. So there is this point of being transparent that matters. You have to be transparent, but there also came a point where I had to know that I didn't need to know Anymore, I didn't have to have all the details because mm. it was like the enemy was trying to take more of my joy, more of my past. Yeah. And I had already lost so much that I had to get to this place of like, I'm, I am choosing not to know everything. For my own healing, not because Brad wasn't willing to be transparent, because if I, I if I asked him a question, I did need him to answer truthfully. Yeah. That was huge. But for myself, like I became like a PI for a while, like I'm going to go and find <laughs> everything, read everything, see everything. And every piece of that puzzle I had to heal from. So yeah, there, point. there came both of those places of like recognizing that I had to stop digging and there was no price that could be paid. And we were going to move forward. So when I started doing that, and really we talk often about about taking every thought captive, you're. It, it, this is one and lost in the mind mm. all day, right? Mm. So uh, especially for the betrayed, you can go down the rabbit hole so quickly, right? <laughs> um, it can take one word, one action. I mean, there could be something unexpected that came up yeah. on, on television or something and I'm like a hot wreck, nope. you nope. know? It, and like those things happen so quickly and sometimes you don't even realize what a trigger is until it's there and you're in yeah. it you know? Right. So learning to take captive every thought, um, someone gave me the analogy once that you can't control what's on the screen when the TV comes on before streaming services, Yeah, for those the that old don't TV not <laughs> <way. laughs> <But> know. <clears throat> you, you can't control that right when it comes on, but you do hold the remote. Right. And, and that yeah. really like, gave me a good visual of like, wait a minute, like, this is not truth. I'm, I cannot dwell on this uh, learning to reroute the brain, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, there was some some things that were dug deep into my brain you know this image came here here was the route we were going right like yes Clearly you are living a lie in your marriage and it's going to be destroyed. Like this this was (laughs) the first instinct. And so having to to retrain those thoughts, retrain them as to where they were going to go, how long I was going to stay there and learning that there was this new path that needed to be dug in my mind. Scripture memorization was really huge for me during that. It was Hmm. learning like, here's some verses. This is God's truth. I stand in God's truth. That's really regardless of what's happening over here. Right. And, and learning like that. That became very, very important in the process. So there are more good days than bad. It doesn't take eight years to heal. We're talking about like, you keep going, you keep going, keep going. You might have a setback, you move forward. You have a setback, you move forward. You understand. And we have always talked about this. We're in the middle of a miracle. We're in the middle of a miracle. Like Mm -hmm. it's this shift of perspective. Like in the middle of a miracle is really sucky. (laughs) You know, I I don't think Joseph, when he was in prison and he's like, I'm clearly in the middle of a miracle. I don't don't think he thought this is so awesome, you know? And so, but it is that perspective shift who is still in control. We are in the middle of this miracle. We're not going to say, poor me, poor me, poor me. We're going to say, thank God, thank God, thank God. Mm -hmm. And so it was that perspective shift that made things so much better.
0: Wow. That's really good. Yeah. I think, I think people need to hear that. Uh, fascinating story, guys. So I, I guess what I want to do is maybe just like if if you're talking to a couple who maybe has experienced infidelity,
2: mm. or
0: maybe it's even just in the context of porn addiction. So you know the husband's got yeah. a porn addiction, and let's say the woman has found out. What what do people do to start on this journey? What you had kind of mentioned, like you guys did everything wrong. So what would <laughs> th- what would this look like if people did everything right?
2: Man. Um well, one, like you said, you know, you either caught or you confess. Yeah. And I think, uh, confession's huge because yeah. that shows the other spouse that they recognize they're doing something wrong and it needs to be fixed, right? They like they need a, it. and they want to fix it. So I think that, that in and of itself is huge. Um, and we all know, like, like these are addictions, right? It's not, um, it's deeper, than just uh, doing something wrong, right? Like pornography becomes this huge addiction. Uh, you know, uh, there's sexual addictions beyond even that. You know, there's these addictions. So, I, I mean, for me, it was. Um, you, I mean, chasing Christ. I mean, that you know, that's the one of the big things. But like practical, like here's what you could put in your marriage. We put up guardrails or boundaries or, you know, whatever, however people want to, um, define it, but we define it as guardrails. You know, you're on a highway, you have those guardrails and that's so you don't go off the cliff. Um, yeah. you know, and there's the rumble strips before that. So you, you hit those, you know, like I need to turn my car back over, get back in the lane and before that's you green before you green off the cliff. <laughs> and that's a huge thing we have in our marriage. Um,
1: even down to we don't watch shows with nudity, no. right? And and so many people, uh, you know, want to make that like, man, we get a lot of hate for that one oh, on, yeah, social, on media. social media. <laughs> yeah, you but just took out the, Game of
0: Thrones and all yeah, the good yeah, ones right. Out there, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we
1: will say there is an app called Angel, which does it, it's an awesome filters app. out um, everything you want out things, yeah. but it, it's just one of those things like we know that it's worth having the guardrails. It's worth living like no one else so you can have a marriage like no one else yeah. you know just like in the yes. financial world with Dave Ramsey like Dave, we do
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> to do that same thing with our marriage we're gonna live like no one else so we can have a marriage like mm-hmm. no one else and we will yeah. be ruthless about that
2: I mean I so yeah we don't watch shows with nudity um we don't have friendships with the opposite sex unless it's like mutual you know yeah. I mean so like even text messages I don't get text messages. One on one with someone with the opposite opposite sex. I don't want that. I don't want a door to open. We share
1: it with each other. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, hey, so and so texted, blah, blah, blah. Like, we have a conversation about it. So, because we don't believe in secrets. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) We have secrets. (laughs)
2: Also, like, we have, like, Lisa has access to all my electronics. Uh, So at any time she could look at them and just, you know, see what's going on. Um, You know, we do have, uh, like, blockers or filters on, I mean, but we're also raising kids. And so we don't want, it's not even that there's an issue. We just don't ever want there to be an issue because I know there's ways around those too. Um So yeah, those aren't the end all be all, but these are different guardrails that we want in our marriage because we want our marriage to to honor God. Um, and so I- That's I, the
1: number one thing. That's the number one thing. And also <laughs>
2: yeah. like for me and in my, in my personal walk with Jesus, like The things I really shifted, like I I started memorizing scripture too. And really like I have scriptures that are like, I I feel like I own them now, right? Like they're mine. You know, if I ever feel something like these are my scriptures. So I feel like I own these. So I started not just reading the Bible, but really getting in it. And I want to saturate my life with Jesus like daily. So music, things I see devotions. Like I want to, I'll have to get it. If I have to go somewhere early, I'll get up earlier so I can start my day with Jesus and just start on the right foot. Even if it means praying while I'm in a hurry, whatever it is, but there's always, I always want to give that time to him um, because I know how important it is for everything else to fall in place. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Yeah, That's not at all what any of that means, but when you're, in this when your focus your priority is your relationship with Christ everything yes. does start to fall in place and that's what we've seen that's yeah. been so huge
1: and i would just say you know back to your question it's like we're always going to say jesus first and then also like just take the first step you know just right. take the first step it, you're not going to go from first step to no. reconciled in a heartbeat but it's the it's just like Many small steps in the wrong direction can lead to complete destruction. Many small steps in the right direction can change your marriage. And so there is hope. Like, I think that's what, I mean, Brad and I are like, we want to be hope carriers. Mm -hmm. Our marriage was as bad as it could get. Guess what? There's hope for yours. You know, yeah. you can do this. You can take this yeah. step. And we believe it's worth fighting for. We have seen what a difference it has made in our marriage. Like, mm. we don't have an ordinary marriage anymore. We have an extraordinary. Yeah. We yeah. we love each other. We trust each other again. Mm. This is not something that you have to walk through and feel like I'll never be able to trust again. We'll never have a good marriage again. Like the, the lies of the enemy are just, I mean, man, they will run through your <laughs> mind so yeah. many times. And so just knowing there is something beyond what you can see right now and you serve a very big God, Mm -hmm. a God who sees every hurt, all your pain, all your shame, all the things that you need to walk through. You serve a very big God. So trust him with every step. Mm -hmm. So don't, so so don't so much worry about like, I have to trust my spouse. I have to trust my spouse. I have to trust, trust Jesus, trust Jesus. Um, Either way, he'll take you out on the other side. And so I think that's where we would always (laughs) tell people, if you're taking, just take, the first step, right? If it just says maybe they maybe there could be an us again, okay. Yeah. If that's your first step, congratulations. And then also <laughs> yeah. those like also
2: guys like you were just saying that that you know they're in a marriage and and maybe he or she what whoever it is is dealing with pornography. It's it's being ruthless and in the sense of like, hey, you know what? If you have to drop the smartphone then drop the smartphone, go get a flip phone. Like how, like, what's your goal? What are you willing to give up to get where you want to go? You you know, and like, so if it's that much of an issue, then start cutting things out of your life. Um, That's good. You know, I mean, I think that's the bottom line because yes, there's so many resources out there and, and even a lot of people, and we do it too. I'll tell guys like, hey, get accountability partners. But even on that, it's tough because of pride. And shame and yeah. all that, like to actually reach out to that dude and be like, hey, buddy, I'm having a hard time. Like what's easier in that moment is just to fall instead yeah. of reaching out, you know, so there, those are good steps. But I think like that rooted issue is pushing and being relentless for Christ. And, and then your, your brain shifts. Like now, all that stuff is disgusting to me, you know, like even talking about it or, or, you know, hearing other guys say things like that. Like I have no, there's no draw at all. Yeah. It's more of like, this is gross. Like I I can't believe where I used to be, you yeah. know? And, but that is a shift in your mentality with Christ ultimately.
0: Yeah. Really well said guys. Really well said. So I, I want to ask about just one other area of affair recovery because an affair is a breakdown, you know, emotionally relationally um it's also a breakdown sexually and i guess i'm just curious like what what did mending that part of your lives look like again um, because I, I know that even for spouses whose um, you know, their husband is watching pornography, sex can be really hard for them. Cause yeah. they're like, is he thinking about the people he's been watching and, oh, yeah. you know, just everything that comes with it, let alone, you know, we're talking about another person now in the mix. Yeah. Um, what was it like recovering that part of it? And I guess I'm wondering if at the same time you can maybe provide any practical tips or yeah. advice for how to go about that for somebody who might be going through it
1: themselves. It was. Man. This was really a hard piece of the puzzle yeah. because it, this is a very fractured piece of our marriage, clearly. You know, yeah. it was like one of those deals where, yes, I was contending with images I never saw and right. much less the ones that I did. You know, it was like, you know, and then contending with feeling like how, you know, what was wrong with me? How do you measure up? You know, is he trying something new? Like, where did he learn that? I mean, these are all things <laughs> that go through your head. And, yeah. you know, I, we'll say back to the same thing I mentioned previously. This is where that taking every thought captive became so huge and learning to surrender our sex life to Jesus. Like he was big enough to be in that.
0: <laughs> yeah. and,
1: and I, I, learned, like, I wanted this to be a beautiful, healing, intimate place that it would bring us together as this was God's design, right? This was beautiful. This was meant to be beautiful. And so what the enemy had taken was he had twisted all those things and he was still going to try, even in this reconciliation process to make us feel shame and pain and, you know, contend with images. And, and so we, and we learned to invite one other person into our bedroom. (laughs) And it was Jesus. (laughs) And so it it was like, okay, we trusted that he was big enough to heal even these wounds. And we invited him into that space to do that because it was like, we didn't want to, we didn't want anyone else in there, (laughs) you know, and learning too, like that same thing. Like, okay, that, that came in. Is that, is that supposed to be here in this moment? Nope. (laughs) <laughs> no yeah. it's not i'm going to be intentional like jesus helped me focus on on this bringing us together closer for this to be a union for us that this would be something that no no one can separate right that like you are yeah. doing something that only can do. you designed this it's meant to be beautiful it's like speaking life over your sex life yeah. <laughs> really truly it, yeah. it, it it does become something because i i wanted to reclaim ground this was yeah. ground that the enemy had destroyed. And I was kind of pissed about it. I
0: mean, honestly,
1: (laughs) it was just one of those things like, no, this is, this is meant to be a beautiful thing. And I learned in myself, I had a lot of shame I had carried with me. I learned that my husband wanted to be wanted by me. He wanted me to pursue him. And so even though I had always felt like it was one of those things, like I always Performed wifely duties. That sounds really
2: bad. But
1: in the in the like, I had never denied him. I had never done those things. But I don't think I had ever pursued him. And so that was a healing mm. thing too. That God had to work out in me was this, you know, learning that yes, the pursuit of my husband even sexually mattered, and it allowed me to take some control over my thoughts of recognizing like I'm going to pursue him. Like this mm-hmm. is going to happen you know, and right. it kind of gave me this odd sense of control, which I told you before, I kind of like, you know,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's yeah.
1: one of those things like saying like, no, I'm not going to to wait or sit there and brood. Like I'm going to intentionally go after my husband and I'm going to, you know, take control of those thoughts. And I'm going to be proactive in reclaiming ground that the mm-hmm. enemy has completely broken. And yeah. so, yeah, we, and it
2: was awkward and it was, it was awkward super at first. awkward. Like, sure. I bet.
1: You like, know, <laughs> on both
2: sides. Right. Like I was like, you know feeling like oh no like
1: you're afraid to touch each other yeah do you know like, and you know? It's, yeah
2: <laughs> but uh, but like to Lisa's credit I think it was just like all right we're gonna do this Like <laughs> yeah. <gonna>
1: do this. <laughs>
0: and,
1: and we gave each other grace that it was going to be awkward yeah. for a season
0: ah right
1: so yes. we didn't expect you know I think maybe we had learned that it was, it was different even in my imagination as to how Brad was going to come home. And so we had learned that that was, <laughs> God was going to have to do something different yeah. than what we had in our minds. So there was a grace season of navigating through the awkward and mm-hmm. there you are going to have to, you might have to deal with your spouse crying. and that's hard, you know, because it is, it's a trigger, right? You're, you're contending with that. What can you do? You can hold your spouse. You can still understand that there's pain there and maybe you can't fix it, but can you be there? Absolutely. You can, you can hold your spouse. You can reassure them. Like you are the person that I want to be with. You are the person that, you know, like all of those things, like you can speak truth in life over that. And, whether they believe it or not in that moment, that's not relevant. Yeah. It, it's yes. you speaking the truth no matter what.
0: That's so good. I know you, you said it earlier, but like the recovery process is both of you going vertical first, um, healing that way, and then obviously bringing it into your marriage. And I think um, if there's two things that I'm hearing you guys say loud and clear through this interview, it's be intentional and Jesus. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and I guess uh, my last question to you is, Who is Jesus to you after all that you've been through and kind of being in this place now where it's not just that you have a cool story, like you guys are building something here to help other couples in this area. And it sounds like it's, um, you know, Jesus is, he's got his fingerprints all over you guys, all over your own story and the work you're doing. Um, But I'm I'm asking because I think this whole idea of going to Jesus is something that's very easy in theory, but it Mm -hmm. can be really difficult. And I know for me, in my own struggles along the way where I have had to kind of, I guess, approach Jesus, I've had to remind myself of what he's really like. Because mm-hmm. if, I, if I lose sight of that and how terrible I am or what I've done or whatever, it's much yeah. easier for me to separate. So I'm just wondering if you can maybe speak to the person who is feeling disqualified, who knows they need to go to Jesus, but is not quite ready. Um, who, mm-hmm. who is Jesus to you guys? Man,
1: man. You going go first or what? I don't or know. Um,
0: I talked for a little bit. I tried to buy you guys some time no, to think about it. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, I it. I
2: like, we always get questions that we're like, okay, okay, okay. Before, yeah. um, I think for me, it's. Because I've been there too, where there's times, even since we've, you know, as we were building, rebuilding trust, there was shame and there was times where I'm like, I don't feel like I I can even go to Jesus. You know, um, mm-hmm. there's just these times that I think it happens to everyone in a different season or whatever they're dealing with. Um, one thing that always hits me and man, it just, it it's just hit me uh, recently too, is just knowing that. All right. One, I don't know how anyone does this without faith Uh, right away, right? There's there's times during your faith walk that you have issues, but just in general, like, I don't know how people do this, but I always remind myself like, man, God was here at the very beginning before anything. He made everything we see around us. He made, he's given me breath when I woke up, like he's just always there, right? Mm -hmm. Even though he's always there and he's so big doing all this, I can come to him on the most undeserving level, right? Because there's nothing we can do. There's nothing. Like I can't make myself right and then go to Jesus. Like I can't, I'm human. I'd love to be sinless. Of course, that would be amazing. Can't do it. I'm human. Like, so I think for me, it's not degrading myself or demeaning myself, but it's understanding that I'm never going to be deserving of what he gives to me. And so, and just grasping that concept and being like, you know what, this is who I am and I'm trying my best. And he comes to me in those times. Um, You know, like scripture says, like he uses your weakness, you know, it's, it's, it's just, so for me, he's um, I mean, I see miracles around me all the time. I see things now that he protected me from, years ago. Um, So I just, he's, oh man, I can't even put it into words. I think that, I mean, Lisa will probably like make this elegant and put it all into words. (laughs) And me, I'm just like bumbling around. Um, But guys that are listening to this and you feel like you can't just drop down on your knees and cry out to him, you can and in scripture, it literally says, even if you don't know what to pray, you can literally just cry, just sit there and, and he's going to show up. He's going to show up. Yeah. And I would say guys that have done this and you're in this walk with Christ and you're working on your vertical relationship and you feel like there's times where you're um, distant, but you're not doing anything wrong. It just feels like there's times when you're distant. Keep going because I believe that he's always speaking to us. It's just us. And there's times like I do my devotionals in the morning. There's times where I'm just going to go, I'm just reading. I don't feel like I'm getting anything of this, but my discipline is going to make me like, I'm just going to keep this discipline and keep reading and keep honoring him. And he's going to show up. So I don't know if that's a really good answer. Not, I'm sure here yeah, goes. Great.
1: Oh, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no
2: pressure. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, it's actually really simple to me. He's just a, a redeemer. He's a restorer. Mm-hmm. Like he has met us in our greatest pain, shame. He's taken the things that should have wrecked us and yeah. he's made them new. That's something yeah. only God can do. It's like all, all the things that we walked through um, individually, mm-hmm. they should have been things that, we walk through life as broken individuals and yeah. certainly should not have a restored marriage. Um, so he is like, he's, he is in the ministry of reconciliation. Isn't yeah, that so yeah. amazing? And like, yeah. and that he's entrusted to us, the ministry of reconciliation, like right. that's so huge. And so knowing who he is in that, you know, like only God can restore yeah. pain, shame, addiction, unforgiveness, bitterness, discouragement, Mm -hmm. only he can take those things and turn them around. So that is, that is who he is.
0: Wow. Amazing guys. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Uh, for people who maybe want to connect with you, they want to find out more about what you're doing, maybe get some resources or get some help. Uh, what's the best way for them to reach out to you guys?
1: Well, we do have a podcast. Um, you can look anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, just look up Unrelenting Pursuit on social media. We're most active on Instagram and it's Unrelenting Pursuit underscore. Yeah. And yeah, so we would love to have you guys with. You can DM us. We try to stay pretty Absolutely, you know, yeah. pretty much in contact with anyone who reaches out to us.
0: Great. Yeah, your Insta is fantastic. I love it. So <laughs> yes, very cool. Thank you guys so much for uh, for your time and your wisdom and just sharing so transparently. Really appreciate it. We appreciate. Uh, thanks you having for having us. us. This is
1: awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing.
0: Well, there you have it, man. That was so rich. I, man, I just appreciate those guys. I love people who are so radically sold out for Jesus that it's like no matter what you talk about, he's coming into the conversation. I just think they they've beautifully articulated what that looks like. And hey, they they've done it. They went through in an affair and came out the other side together stronger than ever raising kids um i mean these guys are legends so i hope you took something away from them and i i really encourage you check out their podcast it's fantastic it's like a top two percent podcast in the world uh which is saying something and they have a pretty good following on instagram as well and they just they post great content on there some of it's informative some of it's hilarious and all of it beneficial for your relationships and especially your marriages if you're in that phase of life Thank you guys again for listening. I hope you have a fantastic day. And if porn is part of your life and you know maybe you're looking for just a little bit of extra help with it, uh, you can download my blueprint for recovery. It's The Last Relapse. You can get a free a free copy of it actually at thelastrelapsebook.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great day. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Thea again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance and insight in your recovery journey.